Romans chapter 9 in the New Testament there. We've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, and then Romans. And so last week we started a series on, on the Great Commission. How many of you know we've been authorized by Jesus to make disciples? We began by understanding what the heart of a soul winner looks like. Um, we, we started a series here on the Great Commission, and, uh, and we looked at three specific things of, of a heart of a soul winner. And, and the first one being, the heart of a soul winner is full of what? The love of God. Right, It all begins with his love. We love others because God first loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave. It is impossible, it is impossible to fulfill the great commission without the great commandment. Love God and love each other. The second uh, heart of a soul winner was a heart of compassion. A heart of compassion cares for people who are lost, people who don't have hope in Jesus. God's willing to leave the 99 for that one lost soul, and that's because the lost matter to God, and the lost should matter to us. Is that right? And the, la the third one that we talked about was urgency an urgent heart or a desperate heart. Because if someone dies without knowing Jesus as their Savior, they're lost forever. That should bring an urgency, a desperation to pray, to love, to share the gospel. And you know, I think Paul shows the ultimate heart of a soul winner in Romans chapter 9. Okay? And so go ahead, turn to Romans chapter 9, in verse number 1 to 3. So Paul begins by saying, With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. So Paul is setting the table here. He's saying, you can, you can believe what I'm about to tell you is true. God is my witness. In verse 2, he says, My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. Your translation might say, Unceasing anguish for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. What a statement! What a statement. Paul loves and cares for the lost so much that he's willing to cut himself off from God if that would mean that his brothers and sisters would be saved. That in his heart he's willing to give up salvation if it meant the lost would be found. This is the heart of God because that's exactly what Jesus did for all the sinners of the world, for all of us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
Christ didn't have any sin, but God made him become sin for us so we can be made right with God because of what Christ has done for us. Jesus became sin. He took all of our sin to the cross. And for three hours on the cross, Jesus was cut off from God the Father. There was a break in relationship, in intimacy, for the first time in all eternity. And on the cross, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was acknowledging this break in communion with his Father. That's the heart of a soul winner. That's the heart of a soul winner, to anguish over the loss to the point that you're willing to give your life so others can be saved. That's what Jesus did. I ask you this morning, is that the anguish of the church? Is that the anguish of King's Corner? I would say, not yet. Not yet. But I believe that this is where God has taken us. King's Corner and the church. I believe that he's trying to bring us to a place where we anguish for the lost the same way that God the Father anguishes for the lost. And so today, we're going to talk about accepting how each of us um, it needs to accept the responsibility of the Great Commission. We're going to talk about uh, becoming accountable to the call of God in our life to share Jesus and, and with other people and make disciples of Christ. And we're, we're going to address a few of the reasons why we may have neglected to accept the responsibility of the Great Commission to share Jesus. Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> Are you still glad you came to church today? <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you. I thank you so much for your son. I thank you so much, Lord, for loving us enough to save us. Hallelujah. What a God that you are. And so God... I just pray that, that we're going to hear your voice today. I pray that we're going to hear your heart today. God, I pray that we're going to understand the anguish that you feel for the lost today, Lord. And God, I pray that each one of us is ready, that when we walk out these doors, that there's going to be a change in our hearts, that, we're gonna, that, that our hearts are going to break for the things that, that break yours. And then when we walk out this door, that we're ready to take up the call, the commission of the Great Commission. They're ready to do what you ask us to do. We're ready to be followers of Christ. We're ready to be disciples. 
who will make disciples, who will make disciples. Hallelujah. God, I pray that we hear the call of the church today in Jesus' name. That we're not here to just play church and we're not here to just go through motions. But we want to hear the voice of the Lord today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> go ahead and, and, and let's go to Mark chapter 16. And, and so there's a couple, there's a couple commissions in, in the Bible. And, and we've got Matthew 28 right here on the wall. Okay, this, this is the Great Commission. And we've also got Mark chapter 16. So go ahead. Let's look at Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 and 16. And he said to them, and this is Jesus speaking, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So again, our commission is to share the gospel. It's to share the good news of Jesus to everyone and to teach them to obey God's word, to become followers of Jesus. Okay, but, but this is what I think happens in, in churches and in the church. Okay, is that the pastors and maybe even church leadership, we, we stop sharing the gospel with the world because we're already preaching and teaching the gospel every week in the church. And so we start to think that, you know what, we're kind of already doing our job. Now it's your job to go out there and, and preach the gospel. And I, I got a laugh from Eileen on that one. And then, and then the people, they're not sharing, uh, uh, they don't believe it's their responsibility to share the gospel and make disciples because, hey, we're not professionals. We don't work in a church. We don't got titles, right? We've never been to Bible college, right? And so they believe it's the pastor's job, right? Like, what are we paying you for? Right? Like, we'll bring people here and then you tell them about Jesus. That's how it's going to go. Okay? And so now, no one in the church, no one is sharing Jesus out there because we think that everybody else is. I want you to turn to your neighbor. And, and I, I don't want you to be afraid to point in their face. And I want you to say, you, you are the church. Are the church. <laughs> That's good. That was some good. I like that. All right, I want you to turn to your second choice. Turn to your other neighbor. And I want you to say this. You have been called by Jesus. To share, Jesus to share Jesus with the world. Now I want you to say, I am the church. I want you to say, go Lakers. What? What's going on? All right. Now, 
Okay, I lost everybody. I lost everyone. It was my fault. See, at one time, God's people had to go to the temple, right, to worship God because that's where the presence of God was. It was only in the temple. But now when we get, get saved, there is an absolute miracle that happens. It's called regeneration. Regeneration is when our spirit, right, that's who we really are. It's when our spirit is made brand new. We become born again in our spirit, not in our body, thank the Lord, and not in our soul, but, but in our mind, but it's our spirit becomes born again. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit now comes to live inside of us. God gives us the Holy Spirit. So now we individually each are the new temple of God. That means we house the Spirit of God, just like the temple used to house the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 6 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. That makes you the church. Wherever you go, the church goes. And when we as the church, we come together, we make the local church like King's Corner. But watch this. Both are commissioned. Both are commissioned. As a local church, we're commissioned to share Jesus. Right? That, that's our mandate from Jesus for, the, for King's Corner, for the local church. And so we do that with our pastors and our teachers and our programs and our life groups and our Sunday morning services just like this one. But please hear this this morning. Please hear me. You don't need professionals and programs and services to effectively share Jesus to the world. Did everybody catch that? Because you are the church. You're the church. You house the Holy Spirit. And attending, please hear this, attending church and serving in church and, and ministering in church, it's good and it's important and it's right. But it is never, ever meant to be a substitute for your personal call to share Jesus with the world. I was listening to uh, Francis Chan this week. and How many of you are familiar with Francis Chan? And he was talking about this stuff. And I hate listening to Francis Chan because he is so convicting. He is so challenging. And uh, I was just reflecting on this. And you know, the conclusion that I came to is I think I was more evangelistic in the world before I started working in the church. And, and I used to be way more intentional about sharing Jesus with others outside the church before I became a, a teacher in a Christian school. 
And then the last 16 years, I've been pastoring King's Corner Church. And I remember I used to share Jesus with my friends all the time. I used to bring them to youth group and, and invite them to church in grade 12. When I was in grade 12, I spoke in front of my entire student body in, in high school. And, and there's over 500 students. And I stood up before them. And I told them about the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And I worked at Bible camps and led lots of kids to the Lord. And I used to pray for the lost more. I think I had more anguish for the lost. And now I find that I'm praying more for the lost that come to King's Corner. And as I reflected this week, I, I think I've tried to convince myself that, that the work and the ministry and the church and preaching the gospel every week, that that somehow satisfied my personal call to share Jesus outside these walls. And even though I know that's not right, I think in my mind I've justified it. But the truth is that I'm called to share Jesus in the local church and I'm called to share Jesus out there. And my work and my ministry in the church doesn't change that. And it doesn't change that for me and it doesn't change that for you. But this was really concerning to me because I thought, what if I'm not the only one? Because if our evangelistic passion for the world is decreasing the longer that we attend church, then something is wrong. That the ministry of the local church needs to ignite believers to set this world on fire and not quench the personal and the individual call and desire to share Jesus with this world. And so as a leadership, we're going to figure that out here. We're going to figure that out. Because if that's what's happening... Something's got to change. But I believe God is reminding us to fulfill this commission inside and outside these walls. Not one or the other, but both. Is that fair? And I wonder if it may be another reason we don't take on this responsibility of the Great Commission is because we just don't feel qualified or we don't feel equipped. Has anyone ever felt that way before? Can we be a little vulnerable here in this place? Wow, look at that. Look at that. So you're not the only one, right? Where you just don't feel qualified, we don't feel equipped, okay? Um, but, but actually, we are more than qualified and more than equipped, and I'm going to prove it to you right now, okay? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 again. And so I'm going to read four verses, but it's in the Amplified, so it's going to take me about ten minutes, okay? It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he's a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. But all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to him, and gave us 
the ministry of reconciliation so that by our example we might bring others to him. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation, that is, restoration to favor with God. Verse 20, so we are ambassadors for Christ as through as though God were making his appeal through us. We, as Christ's representatives, plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. He made Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. This, these are your qualifications right here. You are qualified and you are equipped. This scripture makes it very clear that you're eligible. Right? And one of the reasons we don't feel qualified is because we don't feel that we're good enough. We're not good enough people. We're not good enough Christians. But this scripture makes it very clear that you're made new. That means you're clean, you're forgiven, you're the righteousness of God. You are right with God in Christ. In Jesus, you're not your past. In Jesus, you're just as righteous as anyone else in Christ. No one can tell you that you're not good enough or try to compare you to other Christians. There's no condemnation in Jesus, no guilt, no shame. No blame. You qualify to share Jesus and win people for Christ. Secondly, God has given you, as a believer in Jesus, he's given you the ministry of reconciliation. And so we can't reconcile people to God. Only God can reconcile people to himself. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But we share in this ministry of reconciliation with God by sharing Jesus through our words and our actions. This is your ministry in Christ. You're a minister of the gospel. You're an ambassador for Christ. He wants to make his plea for the lost through you. Every believer in Jesus is part of this ministry with God. Please hear me. You qualify to share Jesus and win people for Christ. Okay? But he's not just giving us a mess, uh, the ministry of reconciliation, but the message of reconciliation. How many of you have some good news to tell? 1 Corinthians 5, 19, For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. That's the gospel. That's your message. There's no greater report that you can give. In Jesus, there's hope and forgiveness and new life and freedom. How many people in this world desperately need to hear that message? And it begs the question... Why would we keep that from them? 
And number four, you have the Holy Spirit. You're not alone in sharing Jesus. After Jesus gave us the great commission and ascended to heaven, God sent a helper. He sent the Holy Spirit. Another name for the Holy Spirit is paraclete, one who is alongside to help. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me. God wants us to tell people about Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God has given us ability in the Holy Spirit. That means each one of you are able to do it. And so the question that I was, I was challenged with this week was what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? You know, there's a misconception in the church that, that we think that, that we need to wait for some big sign from God before we actually can share our faith. Is anyone else aware of this misconception in the church, right, that, that we, we, we can only share Jesus if we clearly see God show up in manifested physical form like the guy on the, on the, the, the airplane runway with the lights. Yeah, this way, this is the one, right, and unless we see that, we can't share Jesus, right? And, and, and don't get me wrong. I understand being led by the Holy Spirit. I understand the concept of a person of peace, and we're going to talk about that in this series. But, but, but God has already told us the harvest is plentiful. And, and Jesus has already commissioned us in his authority and God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You already hold the position of ambassador of Christ. And we have life-saving good news to tell. And our lives have been radically transformed by it. And we have the ability to tell that good news in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you that question. What are we waiting for? I have a friend of mine. His name is Nathan. And, uh, and we've been friends since we were 10 years old. Played basketball together for a number of years. And we still keep in touch. And, uh, and so... You know, we, he's been my friend for 37 years. And I've never shared Jesus with him. What am I waiting for? So I contacted Nathan. And I said, hey, we need to get together. And uh, he said, yeah, it sounds good. He can't this week, but he's going to the week after. And we're going to go for coffee, and I'm going to share Jesus with Nathan. Thank you, brother. 
What am I waiting for? I'm an ambassador of Christ. I have the message that can give him hope and salvation. What am I waiting for? I've got the Holy Spirit alongside to help. I'm not alone. I've got God ability and God power to tell him about Jesus. Who do you need to tell about Jesus? What are we waiting for? I think one of the biggest reasons we don't share Jesus is fear. Anybody feel fear sometimes when you think about sharing Jesus? Does this, even this message kind of make you a little anxiety? <laughs> you know? Um, I think there's three specific fears that prevent us from fulfilling our commission. Number one is the fear that we don't know enough. There's a fear we don't know enough. And I just want, I just want to say this to you. It, it doesn't matter how much of the Bible you've read or, or know or memorized, or if you've read the Bible 50 times over, Satan will continue to lie to you that you don't know enough. But you know who I thought of right away when I thought of this? I thought of the woman at the well. The woman at the well knew Jesus for 15 minutes. And then she got her whole town saved. And I don't think she worried about not knowing enough. All she knew was Jesus. All she knew is that all of a sudden Jesus gave her hope. And changed her heart and changed her life. All she had was what? All she had was her story, her testimony. That's it. And that was enough to bring several others to faith in Jesus. How many of you have a story of Jesus changing your life? All we really need is, is our story. We're not... We're not called to know all the answers. We're called to share Jesus. In Mark 16, when he says, you know, go and preach the gospel. Okay, that, that's scary. There's a balloon up there that's getting stuck in the fan. That is like the ceiling's, the ceiling is not coming down on anybody. Man. That freaked me out. Someone needs to get a BB gun or something, and that's not the first time that's happened. I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come on back into the room, and then we're going to just get back to this for a second. Um, but you know, I don't know what I was saying about Mark, but anyway, we're, we're not called to know all the answers. Because Jesus is the answer. He's our hope. He's enough. I remember when I was in high school, I, you know, I, I tried to witness to all my teachers. And, uh, and there was one teacher, his name was Mr. Hewsom. Really, I really liked him. He was the French teacher, and he was a good guy. And, and I went to his office, and, you know, I just started to say, like, hey, you know, why, why, why do you not love Jesus, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, 
And, and he, he proceeded to tell me why. And, and he gave me um, a lot of things that I had never thought of before. And he asked a lot of questions to me that I did not have answers for. And, you know, I was, whatever, 16 years old. And, and um, I, I came out of that so discouraged, so discouraged. Um, and, and that definitely made me hesitate in sharing the gospel. But what I would learn from that is that it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, you know what, I, I, hear, I hear that, and that's a legitimate question. And I don't know the answer, but, but, but can I get back to you on that? And, and so that does two things when we say that. First of all, that, um, that gives you an opportunity to learn something. And so that we're ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, right? But secondly, you've just created another conversation, right? Another opportunity to share the gospel. Um, another failure, I, uh, another failure, another fear is the fear of failure. Um, and, and fear will, uh, the, the fear is that we're going to fail at our approach. And so or, or even just that we attempt to share Jesus, but then that actually makes the person go further away from the Lord <laughs> because maybe we're not very good at it. Has anyone ever felt that way or thought that before? Just me and me and Wayne. That's it, me and Wayne, that's it. And so um, <clears throat> I actually coach uh, my daughter's basketball team, senior, senior girls basketball team, and so I... I coach Sierra, and I coach Rachel, and I coach uh, Aaliyah. And so um, I'm just going to invite Sierra up for a minute just for a, an illustration here. And so <clears throat> one, of the, uh, one of the drills that we do to work on our ball handling is called Power 200. And it's, it's just different ball handling drills. And basically, you just balance the ball 200 times different ways, though. And so uh, one of the, our power 200 is, is just um, one-handed uh, crossovers, just one-handed crossovers. Go ahead, just show us one-handed crossovers. This is going to be tough. This is going to be tough on this. Do you want to go like, maybe down there, actually, I bet you could do it better. This is too hollow up here. So one-handed crossovers, here we go. So there's, there's one-handed crossovers, okay? And so... Um, Keep going, Sierra. I didn't, I didn't say. You want supper tonight? <laughs> you, you keep dribbling that ball, girl. And uh, no, you won't feed her. And, and so when we do this drill, what happens a lot of times is um, people stay in their comfort zone. So right now, Sierra's in a comfort zone. She could do this for a long time because she's not... She's not challenging herself. She's not changing the pace. She's not changing how far it goes. Okay? And the problem with that is, is that then she's not going to get better. Okay? And, 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 and actually, if we're not going to get better at a ball line, we're going to start losing games. And that's actually what happened this weekend. We lost a game this weekend. We lost, I don't know what she's doing, but just ignore her. We, we lost a game this weekend because we couldn't ball handle. 
against their pressure. Okay? Now, Sierra, um, I want you to come out of your, your comfort zone a little bit. And so change the pace and, and go ahead and get a little wider. Get your rod is a little, you're still a little too high. Get lower. Okay, that pay, there you go, there you go. And so <clears throat> what happens is she, she had to pick the ball up. And see, that time she, she, the ball went away. Say, so you're good, Sierra, you're good. Thanks, let's give her a hand. <clears throat> and so when you get them out of their comfort zone and actually start challenging them, what happens is they start to get better, right? But what also happens is they start to make mistakes, Okay, and so uh, uh, Mike Shepard, help me out with this one. John Maxwell says, you win and you learn. You win and you learn, right? We're used to hearing you win and you lose. You win and you learn. And so I encourage when they start making mistakes, I start cheering, okay, because, uh, because that means they're learning. That means they're getting better as they make mistakes, Right? They're willing to get out of the comfort zone, and then they, their skills start to increase. They start to improve. And so I really believe that there are, many, there are too many Christians, and I'm going to include myself in this state, myself included, that we've gotten too comfortable. We're, we're in our comfort zone. We're content just playing it safe. Right? And we don't want to make mistakes, and we don't want to offend people, and we don't want to rustle feathers, especially in this cancel culture so we just don't do anything. We just go to church and we mind our own business, okay? But here's the problem. Here's the problem with that. Is that people are dying and going to hell. That's the problem. And the second part of that problem is that we're commissioned by God, by Jesus, to make disciples. And the only way, the only way we get better at that is by actually doing it. By actually trying it. You know, when I was 14 years old, I remember I was in grade 9, and I, I started to witness to my friend. Her name was Adina. And it was a disaster. <laughs> I mean, I, I, by the end of it, I was telling her, just, whatever you do, don't get the mark of the beast on your forehead. I'm like, what? Like, well, how did it go from talking about Jesus, mark of the beast? It was, a, it was horrible. It was a disaster. Okay, and, um, and so, where was I here? And, and so, you know, I felt so horrible after, and I called her, and I apologized and, and everything, but I did learn. I did learn, right? So it's not I won and I lose, win and lose, but I, I, I learned. I learned what not to say. I learned what to say. And I learned maybe I should try to rely a little bit more, just a little bit, on the Holy Spirit <laughs> instead of what I think I should be blurting out of my mouth. And, and so here's another thing, though, about the fear of failure. We need to understand that it's, it's also not failure if you share Jesus with someone and they don't come to faith in Christ as soon as you share Jesus with them. I really like this quote from Bill Bright. Successful witnessing is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and learning, and sorry, and leaving the results up to God. Right? And so remember, we can't reconcile someone to God. We can't change their heart. 
right? 1 Corinthians 12 says, Therefore I want you to know that no one speaking by the power and influence of the Spirit of God can say, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is my Lord, except by the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so our job is to share the good news, it's to share Jesus. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to clean people. We're not called to make them stop sinning. We're not called to, to make them go to church. That's not what we're called to do, okay? That's the Holy Spirit's job. We're called to share Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit, he's the one that's going to make it click in their heart. And then all of a sudden, yes, I get it. The Holy Spirit made it click. I get it. I need a Savior. I get it. I've got sin. And the only answer is faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit just makes that click in our heart. Right? So our job is to share Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to make it click. So please hear this. The only way we fail, the only way we fail, is by staying in our comfort zone and refusing to share Jesus with the world. That's the only way we can fail. Did everyone receive that today? Here's number three, last one, almost through here. Is, is a fear of rejection. So we share Jesus, but there's this fear that the person that we're sharing Jesus with, that they're going to mock us, or they're going to be angry with us, right? Or they're going to abuse us, insult us. They're going to counsel. They're going to cancel us. Okay. And and it it kind of makes me think of um, staying. Let's just stay with basketball for a minute. When I was first coaching um, Harvest City girls, I started the program at Harvest City for the girls. And so in the very first game we ever had, um, uh, I called a timeout, and one of the girls came to me and said, Coach, that girl pushed me. <laughs> and my response is, what, did, what do you expect was going to happen? They're not going to let you go and score. They're not going to let you do the things you're supposed to do. It's kind of like it's kind of like the soldier that gets sent off to war and then he runs back to the general and he says, Gen- those guys are shooting at me. Well, wait a second. What did you expect is going to happen? We're going into a fallen world. We're taking territory from the devil. There's going to be resistance there's going to be persecution. And someone who is, doesn't know Jesus might not respond the way you think they should. <clears throat> and so sometimes it gets ugly. But, but here's the second thing. This fear of rejection, that's really a fear of man. That's really a fear of man because it, it's where we seek and value man's approval over God's approval. So we're afraid to do what God's telling us to do because we're scared of what man is going to do to us. We care more about what people think than what God thinks. Isaiah 51 says, I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans? 
who wither like the grass and disappear. The only way we can overcome this fear of man is by growing in our fear, in our reverence of God and his word. So we need to grow in holy fear. The more we behold God, the more we fear God. The more we see his glory, the more we're in his presence, the more his word gets in here, the more we got relationship and intimacy with him, the more we will fear him. And the more we fear him, respect him, reverence him, the more, uh, the less, the less this fear of rejection is going to have power in our lives. Does that make sense? Amen. I want to close here. Uh, I just want to spend a minute just to pray with you and uh, pray for you. And uh, I'll invite the worship team forward. You, uh, after I pray, we're going to have one more song. And, uh, and I'd like to invite our, our prayer team forward once, once we start singing the song. But I just want to pray with you for this, just kind of like how we did last week. Um, I, I just want to pray for us to, um, to accept this responsibility of the commission and to, and to be the soul winner that God's calling us to be. Does that sound okay? Okay. Let's pray. God, again, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for saving us. And God, we also thank you that you've allowed us to share in this, in this ministry of reconciliation. That you've chosen us to be a part of finding the lost. That you've chosen us to be a, a part of, of seeing someone come to salvation in Christ. Of bringing hope where there's no hope. So we thank you for this incredible privilege. And God, I also just pray that we don't just see it as a privilege, but that we understand that this is a command. And that anything that's preventing us from fulfilling this great commission, from fulfilling this, this, this call to share Jesus and win people for Christ, I just come against anything that would prevent us from doing that. I just rebuke fear and I just command it to, to fall in Jesus' name. That any strongholds of fear, I just, I just pray by the blood of Jesus that they're broken right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I just pray that you give us confidence in, in what you've given us. Give us confidence in the Holy Spirit. Give us confidence in the message of the good news. Just reveal to our hearts how amazing that message is and how desperately people need to hear it. And God, I just pray for change. I just pray for a, a change in our church culture. That, that our church culture is not all about King's Corner. But our church culture is about doing what you call us to do, period. Whether it's in the church or out of the church. 
that we have a culture of, of wanting to see people come to you. That we have a culture of compassion and love and urgency and desperation and a culture of anguish. In Jesus' name. I pray that for, for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, so I'm going to dismiss our service right now, but I'm going to encourage you to stay if you'd like and, uh, and just be with the Lord and respond to whatever the Lord is telling you during this message, during this service. This is your opportunity just to respond. Um, we have... Um, our prayer team is going to be up front here, so um, I know uh, Sean is is uh, away today, so um, I'm just going to leave that to the prayer team to know who's supposed to come up here, I guess. And so the prayer team, I'll have you guys come up front, and for the rest of us, um, uh, we're dismissed, and uh, in about 10 minutes, we're going to have our growth track lunch in the gym. Okay, God bless everybody.